Okay, our third installment here of the whole new way of thinking day is uh, it's challenging to think different. But the Bible always challenges us to think differently. Yeah. It says repentance is a change of your mind. And in Romans 12, he said, renew your mind. Right. So you get your mind renewed and you won't have to repent so much. <laughs> Amen. It's kind of like learning a new language, though, you know. Yeah. Anybody here speak two languages? Spanglish. Spanglish and Texan? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I told you a story a few years ago about a little mouse that loved the cheese, wanted the cheese so bad. Looked through that hole in that baseboard every day, looking across that kitchen floor, wanted that, wanted that cheese, he smelled that cheese. Oh, he wanted it so bad. Every time he tried to go out across the floor to get it, though, the cat would spring out of nowhere and almost get him, you know. It's always just tit for tat, mouse for cat. You know, trying to warn that, warn that cheese desperately. One day he heard something in his, his ear. He heard, woof, woof, woof. He said, oh, happy day. There's a dog on the scene. As much as I want that cheese and that cat wants me, that dog wants that cat. He'll be, he'll be preoccupied and I can get my cheese now. So he ran across the floor and ran up the cabinet and opened the cheese plate and reached in there to get that cheese. And just before he got that cheese, the cat came out of nowhere and grabbed him and gobbled him down hole. Cat jumped off the cabinet, over to the corner and sat down and rubbed his tummy and said, Boy, in this world, if you're not bilingual, you could starve. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Smart cat. Smart cat. Last time, I want to recap a little bit of what we talked about last time. That faith without works is righteousness. We said this based on Paul's doctrine in Romans 4 and other places. Faith without works is righteousness. You know what James said about it? But because James majored on Abraham giving his son Isaac on Mount Moriah, in Genesis 22. Then we went to Romans 11. We said Israel is still ca called God's people. Israel is still got called God's people until the fullness. The fullness of what? The fullness of the Gentiles. That is until God gets, gets his heart full of all, all the sons and daughters he thinks he can live eternity with and be happy. God had to come get us because he wanted Adam to be his family. You see? And uh, he did that. But he's, we're still working on getting his, getting his heart full of Gentiles right now. Through these 2,000 years, we've been working on getting his full, heart full of Gentiles. That's you. Amen. His heart full of Okies and Texans. America, and I said, America, God is good to America because America loves God by and large, and we started that way. Still a huge percentage of people in America believe in God and love God. God is good to America because America loves God. But that is not why God is good to Israel. God is good to Israel because God loves Israel. It's a difference. But Abraham is the father of us all. Why? Because, remember, he was made righteous before he was circumcised. 
He was, and he was justified after he was circumcised. Maybe write this in chapter 15 of Genesis. Maybe write this in justified in chapter 22 of Genesis. Something happened in between. What happened in between? Who can tell me? Chapter 17, he got circumcised. Oh, that represents the Gentiles in 15 and the Jews in 22. Okay, so he's the father of all of us. Okay, I'm, I'm almost caught up now. Acts chapter 20, verse 27. Acts chapter 20, verse 27. Paul said, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He was talking to the Ephesians there. And Paul did not teach the Ephesians the, the law. He said, I, t I talked to you the whole counsel of God, all the counsel of God. How can he say that if he didn't teach them the law? Because God's counsel, all the God's counsel was different for you than it is for the Jew. Than it was for the Jew. You can move to Ephesus today and become an Ephesian. You know that? That's why we know that that book is for you. It's possible for you to be a Corinthian today. Move to Corinth. It's a location. It's not, a, not about a specific people, but a location. So all the books of the, 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 the letters of Paul are for all of us, for all time. That's what he said. But that was not true for the letters written to the Jews. The letters written to the Jews were specifically for the Jews. You would never become part of the tribes of Israel. You'll never become that. It's a whole new way of thinking. And when you get this way of thinking, you know you see the New, the new Testament differently. See it, see it as written for different people. We've, all, we've always been taught all of it's for us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all for us. Acts is all for us. James, 1st, 2nd Peter is all for us. It's just not. It's not a, that's not the truth. That's what causes the confusion in the world. But if Christ is totally confused about the, what the Bible means. You can't find three three Christians in a row. Yeah, I bet you. I, I bet you. I can take you out here to any church in town. Ask three Christians. Say, what is the gospel? I bet most of them could not tell me what the gospel is. And say, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. No, it's not the gospel. Not the gospel. It's a. It's some like it, but it's not the gospel. You understand that? The river knows the gospel. What is the gospel? Paul taught you that. Yeah. You didn't find it anywhere in the Gospels. Not anywhere in the Gospels. The Gospel isn't in the Gospels. You wrap my head around that. You see, you have to think differently. You have to think differently. I'm trying to help you here. The primary promise of the covenant is the promise of the Spirit. The primary promise of our covenant is the promise of the Spirit. John chapter 7, verse 37, 32, 39. Let's look at that. Ms. Ann, would you read for me, please, today? John 37 through 39. 7, 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come, after, come unto me and drink. John 7, 37. 
In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Jesus used this analogy of water with the Spirit several different times. Here's one of them. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of the rivers. Rivers. Amen. Aren't you glad to go, go to a church called the river? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is he talking about? Verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Which see that they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Wait a minute, wait a minute, John. Wait a minute, John. You're telling us the Holy Ghost was not in, was not in the earth? No, he didn't say that. I thought John the Baptist had the Holy Ghost from his mother, mother's womb. Well, yeah, he did. But he didn't keep it, didn't keep it all the time. Because the Holy Ghost was not yet given. He was there, but it wasn't given. <laughs> See, I may use your knife, but it's not mine until you give it to me. Right. Amen. Right. See that? Holy Ghost was on them sometimes, came upon their lives, come, was in them sometimes, used them sometimes. Let them use him sometimes. But he was not their gift. Until Jesus died and rose again from the from the dead, and gave then He gave the Holy Ghost to you as a gift. Yes. He's in you right now. Yes. Amen. Yes. He is your gift. He belongs to you. That's the difference between. That's what sets us apart. Here they did not have the Holy Spirit as a gift. They did in Acts chapter two. But largely, Holy Spirit came upon them and left. Came upon them and left. Came upon them and left. You hear that? The single greatest difference between Old Testament saints and New Testament saints is this thing right here, the Holy Spirit living inside you. Amen. Holy Spirit lives in the New Testament believer. You see this demonstrated in John the Baptist. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. I think we went there one time already, but I want to take you back there. Matthew 11, verse 1. Uh, now, are we reading this in the New Testament or the Old Testament? Well, so, sort of in the New and Old together, we're reading it right here. Old Testament is still in force, you see, right here. And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John... The Baptist, John the Baptist had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Wait just a minute. Wait just a doggone minute. This is John the Baptist who saw things that nobody else had ever seen. The Bible says he saw the Holy Ghost descend upon Jesus like a dove. He saw something nobody's ever seen before, the Holy Spirit. He saw him. He had a revelation that was amazing. On the day he saw Jesus coming and walking on the shores of Galilee, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He knew who this was. He knew what the Lamb of God was going to do. He knew Jesus had to die. See that? Yeah. That's what the Lamb of God came for, to take away the sins of the world. He, John had a revelation. He knew exactly who Jesus was, what his mission was. He knew. But here... He's acting like a, a dumb boy that doesn't know anything. 
You're the one who said we look for another. You're the one who said he was, he was the one, John. You're the one that told everybody he was the one. Why are you asking this question now? What do you think happened to John? Holy Ghost left him. His mission was done. The Spirit had lifted, lifted off John right there in the prison. And he did not see things like he did see things before. You see, without the Spirit, you'll see things in an Old Testament way. That's what's wrong with the church. They're always begging God to come do something for them. Oh, Lord, come help us. Come, come show yourself to us. Nonsense. He's in you. He's in you. You're not Old Testament saints. You're New Testament saints. He lives inside you. You want a manifestation to start speaking in other tongues. You get a manifestation. You get the power of God in you so strong that you're going to be able to stand up yourself. Amen. 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 He's in us. He's here to stay. He came to stay. He did not come and leave, come to leave, come and go, come and go, come and go. He came to you to live in you, to walk in you, to you so he can call you his temple. Yes. Amen. You don't miss saying. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. Okay, he said, You will tell John this. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You go tell John this. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That tells you why John lost his head. He was offended at Jesus. Yeah. I hate to say it, but he was. Now, Jesus would not have said this. He said, you go tell John, don't, don't be offended. You get offended at Jesus, you're going to lose some things. <laughs> I'm telling you. He's on your side. Yeah. Jesus is not against you. He's on your side. He's always been on your side. You see that? But the bad things you go through are not his fault. That's right. I never want you to blame Jesus for what I'm going through right now. Amen. He's my hope. He's my way out. That's right. You hear that? He's your way out of trouble. He's not the one to put you in trouble. He loves you. He's on your side. Don't be offended at Jesus when you should be mad at the devil. Yeah. Right. Amen. Yeah. That's a good preaching, Pastor. I like that. Yeah. I'm with you. But we so we get we get caught up into the things that are the, in the that are in the gospels. We think that that's that's all what, what we're supposed to be saying. I heard a guy say to me one time, a man said to me, point blank to me, said, You preach the gospel of grace, don't you? I said, Yeah. He said, I don't. He said, I preach the gospel of the kingdom like Jesus did. I said, You're stupid. <laughs> you know what the Bible says. He said, Oh, he, he, he pitted Jesus and Paul against each other. Yeah. Stupid. Just stupid. Ignorance. Ignorance of the Word of God. Yeah. Paul never uses the phrase gospel of the kingdom one time. He never used the phrase gospel of the kingdom not even one time. Right. If Paul didn't use it, who do I think I am to try to think I can preach the gospel of the kingdom? See, this is arrogance. It's in the body of Christ. Pure arrogance, unmitigated, unmitigated arrogance amongst the preachers. Think they're supposed to preach the gospel of the kingdom. It's arrogance. They think they think they're more than Paul. Look one time in his writings. You won't see it anywhere. There's no place in there. No place. Because he knew he wasn't preaching that gospel. You live in the promised land, not the kingdom. You live in the promised land. That was 400 years before the kingdom. Amen. See that? 
they were in the promised land. They were there for 400 years or so before the kingdom was established. The kingdom is coming. It's still in your future. It's in your future. You're a citizen. You're already signed up. I mean, you understand? As children of God, you're already signed up for the kingdom. Amen. You're signed up. You got your name written, written up there. Right. No going back on that. They already saw you there, in fact. Book of Revelation said they saw there were throngs of thousands, throngs, millions of people. No man could even number them. John was trying to number them, you know. So many up there, he said, uh, there were so many that he couldn't number them. But every tribe and kindred and tongue of the, of the world was there. Right. Who did he see there? He saw crowds. Can you have a crowd without individuals? Did you really see us? Did you really see the crowds there? Do you think, think so? Think he saw you? Yes. He saw you. He saw you. If you're saved today, how many saved today? Yeah. He saw you, and he can't rewrite the book. That's right. okay. How are they going to rewrite the book if they can kick you out? <laughs> <laughs> Never thought of that, did you? Can't rewrite the book. Saw you there. You're there. Amen. Amen. You're a citizen. But that's not a, that's the that's a future time for us. It's a future time for us. The kingdom in our perspective is always future. We live in the promised land today. Live in the promised land. Let's look at Luke eleven thirteen and Luke and Matthew seven eleven. Put them up there right behind each other if you would. Luke eleven thirteen. Matthew seven and eleven. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much, How much more, more shall your shall heavenly, heavenly Father, Father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Amen. Okay, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. Did you think Jesus actually said that? Yes, He did. Let's look at what Matthew's, Matthew has a version of this. Matthew seven eleven. It says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, Give good things to them that ask him. What do we get? The Holy Spirit are good things. The answer is yes. yes. You get the Holy Ghost, you get good stuff too. You see, this is our covenant. It's good things, not bad things, not evil things. Good things. God planned for you to have good things. And the Holy Spirit came into your life. It's all good. Promised land living was before the kingdom was established. For us, the kingdom kingdom is largely future. I'm going to, I'm going to show you something, maybe shocking to some of you. I show you this. First Corinthians fifteen fifty. First Corinthians fifteen fifty. Let's read about four verses there. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Of Hang God. on. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Anybody pinch yourself? You still have flesh and blood, don't you? You cannot inherit the kingdom of God like this. You cannot. It's a future event. Read on. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I thought about making a sign putting that on the nursery. <laughs> <laughs> in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, 
for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Why? So we can inherit the kingdom. That's when we inherit the kingdom, it's when our bodies are changed. No more flesh and blood. It's all power. All power. Let me tell you something. Ten books of the New Testament say nothing of the kingdom. Ten books of the New Testament say nothing of the kingdom at all. There are 27, 27 books in the New Testament. Ten books don't ever use the word kingdom. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on kingdom teaching. I'm, I'm just, just trying to put it in its proper place. I want you to be balanced on this teaching. Another seven use the word kingdom one time. Seven of the books use it one time. Ten use it no times. Another three use the kingdom twice. There's only 27 books in the New Testament. I know something specifically powerful that none of the pastoral epistles, this is Paul talking to the pastors, use the word kingdom even, even once. One, one, one place Paul uses in 2 Timothy chapter 4 two times. Speaking of his death, what was coming after his death, he uses two future references to the kingdom. Speaking of his own, his own death. There's no present kingdom teaching to the pastors, including Philemon, which is 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. None of that has kingdom teaching in it at all. This is the Apostle Paul teaching the pastors what to teach the people. You see that? Hear me? What's so, what's so good about the kingdom teaching all of a sudden? Is this really the emphasis of the new covenant? I had to ask the question, is this really the emphasis of the new covenant? My answer is no, it's not. It can't be. Even the Gospel of John uses the word kingdom only three times and never the phrase gospel of the kingdom. The Gospel of John was written basically to the church. Oh, the Gentile church. When John wrote his gospel, his, his account of Jesus' life, he was, wasn't living in Jewish land. He was living in, in Ephesus. See? And to, to minister to the Gentiles through the, through the message of Jesus, he got the kingdom all out of it, took the kingdom out of it. You see that? Yeah. Anybody see that? Yeah. Okay. Here's some things not found in, God, in Paul's doctrine. The gospel of the kingdom, I already said that. There's, here's another phrase that's used a lot in, in, the, in, the, in the church, not in the, even in the Bible anywhere, even one time. You ready for this one? Repent of your sins. That phrase is not in the Bible even one time. You hear preachers say it all the time. Not in the Bible at all. Not found any place in the Bible. Repent of your sins. Am I shaking you up yet? I'm trying to. Matthew 27, verse 3. I just want us to be a scriptural church. Be a biblical church. Is that okay? Matthew 27, verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, <laughs> repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Is he repenting of his sins right here? Yeah, he is. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to, to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And went and hanged himself. 
Wow. So his letter, his body hung there, and they cut him down. Others came along and cut him down. He fell down. His body fell down and hit the rocks. His bowels gushed out. So you can say he repented his guts out. Did no, did no good at all. Did no good at all. But Judas did not have faith. The kingdom gospel was always accompanied by repentance and baptism. Always accompanied by repentance and baptism. The gospel, gospel of the kingdom. Always demanded repentance and baptism. It's only for, only for Jews. That's how Paul got saved even then. Paul even got saved that way. Remember? Yeah. Went up to Damascus and Ananias said, Arise, Paul, be baptized. Wash away your sins. That's how Jews did it. Paul was a Jew. He had to be saved that way. And here's what Paul said. First Corinthians 1, 17. This is shocking when you hear it. First Corinthians 1, 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize. What? This is how you wash away your sins, isn't it? It's how a Jew does, but it's not how you do. Yeah, but to preach the gospel. Oh, so there's, there's water baptism, and then there's preaching of the gospel. Paul makes it two different things. He contrasts them here. He contrasts them here on purpose. Wow. But to preach the gospel, what? Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He's saying that the wisdom of words tells you you need to wash it away. That's what he's saying. The wisdom of words, man's wisdom says, let's wash his sins away. Okay, for the preaching of the cross. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. That's powerful right there. <clears throat> preaching of the cross. The identification with Jesus on the, on the cross is how you, how you become a new, new believer, how you become born again. You see yourself as dead in Christ. He died with you. He died for you. You died in Him. When you become in Him, you're dead, and your and your trespasses and sins are dead too. Amen. Glory to God. Become a new creature in Christ. Amen. So, what was the emphasis of Paul's gospel? Let's see. What, what was the emphasis of Paul's gospel? Galatians one verse six. Read that. Galatians one, verses six through nine. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. The only other gospel mentioned in the Bible is the gospel of the kingdom. It's only the other gospel mentioned in the, in the, in the gospel, in the, in the Bible. Gospel means good news. It's a specific message. They did not use the word gospel for every, every message that went out of, came out of Rome. You know what I mean? This is a specific message of gospel. And it's good news. Good news. Can't call it anything else because it's so good news. Right. Sounds too good to be true news. Yeah. Sounds too good to be true news. But it is true. And they, they went around saying there was another gospel. Just like those guys told me that day. He preached the gospel of grace, the gospel of salvation, but I preached the gospel of the kingdom, it said. 
See, they, 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 they added another gospel to what Paul was saying. Yeah. Paul said, read on, Miss Ann. Which is not another. Oh, it's not, it's not another. It is to somebody, but not to you. You know. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Oh. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached. Which one? The one that was about baptism or the one that was not about baptism? Not about baptism. Okay, read on. We have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you... I heard you the first time, Paul. <laughs> he, said, that, he turned around and said it right again, didn't he? Read on. Then that, that ye have received, let him be accursed. He's making a point here by doing that. Verses 8 and 9 are strong and stood out to me. These two verses is what put, put me on this track of teaching, learning. What's really going on here? And I heard Paul say that twice, back to back. I said, this is really serious. This is so serious, I've got to understand what he's meaning. It led me to this teaching. whole new way of thinking. I promise you, nobody taught me this. Nobody taught me this. I learned it from the book. You can't find this anywhere. You ever read a book about this? That I'm teaching you? No, you can't find it. Let's contrast kingdom and grace. I'll show you something that's shocking. The word grace in the book of Matthew, how many, th how many times do you think it's in there? How many times do you think grace is in Matthew? None. Not even one time. The word kingdom is in there 54 times. Greg, you want to come up here and write this for me? Just draw a line across here, someplace over there. Right, make, make two headings, you know. Put, right, just down the middle. Put grace and kingdom. What's this? Matthew. Matthew has grace no times. Not one time is the word used. But 54 times. Kingdom. Mark. How many times do you think grace is in Mark? None. Not one time. But kingdom is 19 times in Mark. Luke has it one time. But 43 times it has kingdom. John, who did I tell you John wrote to? Probably some, some, some of the Gentiles. Three and three. You get my point here? Acts 10 and 8. Romans 20 to 1. First Corinthians six and five. Six and five. Second Corinthians thirteen and none. Galatians seven and one. Ephesians twelve and one. Philippians three and O. Like football scores. Colossians 5 to 2. 
First Thessalonians 2 to 1. Second Thessalonians 4 to 1. First Timothy 2 to, to 9. Second Timothy 4 to 2. Both future. Hockey scores, yeah, soccer scores. <laughs> Titus four to nothing. Philemon, the one page of one page Philemon, two to nothing. Hebrews seven to two. And on and on and on. What is the emphasis of the New Testament? Grace or kingdom? You say. What is the emphasis? Okay. That's good. Thank you, Greg. No contest. No. I could go on. I could go on. It's even even gets stronger in John's letters. Notice Paul does not write one letter. Paul does not write one letter without using the word grace. Father wishes the five. Father wishes. Father writes five books without using the word kingdom. Wrote five books without even using the word kingdom at all. What should be our emphasis? Faith. Grace and the Spirit. Our emphasis is faith, grace, and the Spirit. Everybody say it together. Faith, grace, and the Spirit. Laws build kingdoms, but faith, love, and grace build families. These are the promises. These are the things that promise. These are the, the, the truths upon which families are built. All the kingdom preachers are writer and writers I know always overlook our dis, or, or disdain Israel. They act like Israel doesn't, doesn't have a place anymore. Because in the first, second century, third century, they thought Israel was gone. They tore down that temple. They thought it was all over with. You understand? They thought it was all over with. They couldn't see Israel in the picture anymore. But in 1948, they came back, came roaring back. 1948, they were like they were reborn. 1948. 1948. You know when, you know when uh, the, the Jewish virtual library says Abraham was born, they got it all mapped out um, in year by year by year. Jewish virtual library says Abraham was born in 1948 from creation. Abraham was born in 1948 from creation. That's a shocking thing, isn't it? You're like it was planned by God. They'd be reborn in 1948 our time. Paul did not write out Israel, neither should we. Remember what it said in Romans 11? We, we saw this in the first uh, message in this. Romans 11, 1, 2 says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. He's talking about Israel being God's people today. So let's ask ourselves then, how do I know which parts are for me in the New Testament? Anybody interested in knowing that? What parts are for you? Let's ask Paul. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse nineteen and twenty. Turn name is You get anything out of this today? Second Corinthians one, nineteen and twenty. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us. Even by me and Silvanus. That's Silas. That's Silas and Timothy. You don't. Was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. 
Okay. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. All the, the promises. All the promises of God are yours. Amen. Yes and amen. Say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Promises are all yours. Every promise, even, even in Leviticus, I believe. All the promises of God that he ever made any, 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 anywhere in the book. Anytime, 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 anytime. From the beginning of the, the dawn of man, every promise God made is yours. Amen. Dig in the book, you'll find them. But the primary promise, you've got to remember the primary promise is what? Promise of the Holy Spirit. Promise of the Holy Spirit. Very first promise God made it made you, the promise of the Spirit. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. Look at this, we're almost done. Galatians chapter 3, 3, verse 1, Miss Ann. I'll guide you through this, okay? O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should be should not obey the truth before those eyes? Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Now, when was Jesus crucified in front of the Galatians? And Paul showed up. Paul lived that life of crucified life. He'd been beaten so badly, he looked a mess. He don't. This only what I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Hearing of faith. Yeah, by the hearing of faith. Read on. Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Listen to this. He's calling the flesh the law. He's calling the flesh the law. The law of circumcision. The laws that came out of Moses' law. He calls that fleshly living. You're not spiritual because you keep the law. You're fleshly, carnal. There's a way to live above that. There's a way to live high above that. Listen to me. In verse 5, Miss Ann. He therefore that ministereth to you in the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth he, doth he, it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? By faith. By faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Amen. We are the children of Abraham by faith. And what does that mean? It means we've been born of the Spirit of God. You got your spirit renewed by faith. The Holy Spirit came into your heart. When the moment you believed on Jesus and changed everything about you, started from the inside out, you know. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful, faithful Abraham. That's us. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Let's say it together, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The justified, they live by faith. In verse 13, Miss Ann. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, 
Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham. That the blessing of Abraham might come on all come on the Gentiles. Hear this. Jesus Christ. We're about to make the point right here. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That we might receive the blessing, the promise of the Spirit through faith. Primary promise is the Spirit of God in you. That means you get all good things after that. What does this mean for us? All right, I'm almost done. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. says, This I say then, come up here, Miss Anne, read, read, read it from here. And I skip around a lot. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the Amen. Amen. That's how you can live holy. Get in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? I told my students one day, you know, I see, see the boys struggling with, with looking at the girls sometimes. They love God. They do. They love Him so much. But you know, these girls from Brazil don't know how to dress. They don't know how to dress. Brazilians just don't know how to dress. The American boys looking at the Brazilian girls everywhere, you know, golly. They feel guilty all the time, you know. I told them how to get over that. I said, boys, you see a girl that, that turns your crank, you know? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I said, don't, don't stand and look at her. Lift your head up toward heaven and start speaking in other tongues. Start speaking in other tongues as loud as you can. Loud, 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 loud. You know, just get up there. I said, and it'll happen, it'll work for you. It'll drive those, those, those feelings away. They all come back to me and report, it works, Doc, it works. It really does work, Doc. It does work. So I told the girls, I said, now, if you see a guy standing on the street corner, with his hands up, lifted up, praying in tongues real loud, you know you didn't dress good enough that day. <laughs> Go back and put some more clothes on. <laughs> you know. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. But of the, the fruit of the Spirit Verse 22. is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. See, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This, this is how, what you're growing. The fruit grows by the Spirit. The more you walk in the Spirit, the more you grow the fruit. You see that? Yeah. It grows in you. It's not there automatically. It has to grow. Fruit is not automatically there. It has to grow. Fruit grows. Everybody say fruit grows. Fruit grows. So the fruit of the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. This is how you grow it. You grow faith. You grow goodness. You grow gentleness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Verse Spirit. Verse 25 says, let, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You have a choice. You came alive in the Spirit. Now walk in the Spirit, that gummit. <laughs> walk in the Spirit. Amen. It's your choice to walk in the Spirit. Okay. Thank you, Miss Ann. Love you very much. I want you to bow your heads with me, if you will. I'm going to pray over you today. Father, we thank you for the, the gift of the Spirit that you gave us. The Holy Spirit's gift is in, us, in our hearts, in our lives. Help us to walk in the Spirit, Lord. Think differently. Stop thinking about repentance all the time and think about walking in the Spirit so we don't have to repent so much. I believe it's your will for us to live holy without, without sinning. I know you made us alive and you capable and able to walk above it all. 
He said, we will not even fulfill the lust of the flesh if we walk in the Spirit. Let your people today have a revelation of what it means to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Bless their minds, bless their minds, bless their minds with new thinking, whole new way of thinking so they can get be bilingual in this world. Amen. Saying what God says. Bless them in Jesus' name. Bless your people. Thank you for their attentiveness. Thank you for this message. I pray, I pray that it will go great fruit in their hearts by the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Thank you.